This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the number one daily fantasy sports app. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 626. Welcome in. Uh, we're in a new location. Things are different. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it is what it is. Doing the best I can. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. Let's jump in. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize Picks allows you to make an entry based on player projections, and in 60 seconds, you can enter something like Jill Flacco throwing for more than 300 yards, Amari Cooper having more than 100 yards receiving, and maybe Brock Purdy throwing two interceptions. If your picks are right, you can win money. Making picks makes watching games more engaging, and you could turn something like $5 into $50. Prize Picks offers quick and easy deposits. You can even use Apple Pay, and they have weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. For example, there's a weekly event called Taco Tuesday, where each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more values. So put your skills to the test in daily fantasy. Go to prizepicks.com slash CLNS and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash CLNS using code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks. Daily fantasy made easy. All right. Um, let's jump in with the kind of the there's a lot to talk about. We now know the NFL playoffs. We saw the national championship. Coaches have been fired. There are so many things to talk about relating to the show today. But let's start with this. Uh, Michigan won the college football national title. Michigan beat Washington 34 to 13. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think I think I said if one team won to the blowout, it would be Michigan. I think I said that last week. I don't really remember. Um, but Michigan ran the ball really well. They were up by... A couple touchdowns early. Uh, the game was in the balance in the fourth quarter. Then Michael Penix Jr. threw an interception, and Michigan pulled away late. Michigan was better up front. They ran the ball really well. And the story that I think is really uh, important to tell, Michael Penix Jr., the Washington quarterback, had a bad game. Like, it just wasn't very good. And uh, he was hurt. You know, especially in the fourth quarter near the end, he was limping around and Looks like had some kind of rib injury and it wasn't throwing the ball very well. I think it definitely affected his accuracy down the stretch. But he was 27 for 51 passing, had 255 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. My question is this, is this going to impact his draft stock at all? Is this going to impact the way the NFL views him? Because the windows were tighter, the there was more pressure on his body in the pocket than he'd probably seen in a long time, and he looked uncomfortable. And wasn't very good. And I've, I've heard people say, like, he should be the top pick in the NFL draft. Like, maybe over Caleb Williams. And it's like, I think that's what the NFL is going to look like for him. He's going to have pressure around him constantly. He's going to get hit a lot. We saw when he got hit, he got injured. He's got to be really accurate. I, I don't know if this game is going to be one that reflects well on um, him. And I think as NFL evaluators look at that game specifically, they might... They might be a bit discouraged. Like this, this a performance on Monday in the national title game might impact where Michael Penix Jr. goes in the draft. Because, like I said, with better corners covering his receivers, they weren't wide open, so he had to be more accurate. He had bodies all around him in the pocket. He had to take hits as he threw. 
And I thought he didn't handle that situation very well. I, I don't know what that means exactly. But I remember watching C.J. Stroud against Georgia and the college football playoffs. He was outstanding. He handled that moment really well. Played at a high level. Made really tough throws against really tight coverage. Handled bodies around him. I thought against a... I think you could argue this was the most NFL game Michael Penix Jr. was going to play all year. And I don't think he did very well. Again, what does that mean? We'll find out. Draft is in April. It'll be really interesting to see where he falls, how the NFL views Michael Penix Jr. But I walked away from this game feeling like, ah, Michael Penix Jr., more doubt than I've ever had before about him. And I've, I've never, he doesn't throw those legs very well. Like The team that I think is going to target Michael Penix Jr. is probably Denver. I think Denver with Sean Payton, part of the rumor why they benched Russell Wilson is because their offense had people open you know, timing routes. Receivers are running open and not getting the football because Russell Wilson wasn't running the offense within the structure of the system very well. Michael Penning Jr. at Washington was known for getting the ball out quickly, running that system really well, moving safeties with his eyes, stuff like that, stuff that Sean Payton in Denver would appreciate. So I wonder if Michael Penning Jr. is going to end up in Denver because he's, you know, Sean Payton views Penning Jr. as maybe a Drew Brees 2.0. But again, how does this game impact him? That's going to be really interesting down the stretch. On top of that, can we celebrate Jim Harbaugh for a second? Jim Harbaugh is a guy who, I don't know, man, played quarterback in the NFL, coached at Stanford, made them good. He coached Andrew Luck, Christian McCaffrey. Like, he brought top talent to Stanford, goes to the 49ers, gets to a Super Bowl. He loses, goes back to Michigan where he played college football, and now he's on top of the mountain. And he got Michigan. Man, I'm 26 years old. I turned 27 in March. And uh, my whole lifetime, Michigan football has been bad and kind of a joke. And there were there was a moment here or there. Like, I, I remember the Denard Robinson era really well. But they've never been great in my lifetime. And this is the first time, like, Michigan is back. And they've been back for a while now with Harbaugh. Ever since they beat Ohio State a couple years ago. But Michigan's, like, on top of the college football world right now. And I don't know if Jim Harbaugh's going to stay or leave. I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what the future is. But it's very cool to see Michigan in a good spot. And... I grew up uh, in, in Portland and then moved to Vancouver, Washington. I'm, I'm a Northwest kid, went to Washington State. You would think I'd be rooting for the Washington team in the national title. All I really wanted was a good game. I wanted it to be close and interesting and competitive, and it certainly was until about 10, 8, 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. But I got to say, I, I think I'm happy Michigan won. I think it means more to Michigan. I think the state of Michigan woke up, you know, Tuesday morning after the national title and just couldn't believe what happened. It was so excited. I think if Seattle, Washington had won a national title, the reaction would have been, sure, excitement, woo, but it wouldn't have been the same. I know it means more to Michigan than it does to Seattle and Washington State. And so, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I could say that, but like the Northwest isn't known for how much they love football. Sure, they got Seattle, the Seahawks, but um, I think Michigan... It means more to them. They've got a history, a legacy. It's cool to see a blue blood team uh, back on top. And I, I really like Jim Harbaugh. I, I All year, there were allegations and a cheating scandal. And I, I said, look, I think it was a rogue agent that was a part of their staff. Because, you know, how do I even say this properly? I have never been bothered by what happened to Michigan. There was an investigation. I thought it was a bit overstated. And uh, I'm really happy to see Michigan on top of the college football world. One more thing that I will say, watching Michigan pull away in the fourth quarter made me really sad for Georgia. Georgia specifically. 
I was happy that Florida State got left out of the college football playoff. But looking back now, how competitive Texas-Washington was, um, what the game looked like between Alabama and Michigan, the way Michigan dominated Washington up front, and, and also acknowledging how many like flaws the Alabama football team had. Like The fact that Alabama got to the college football playoff is crazy. They had a quarterback who struggled throwing. They had a rough offensive line. They had, oh my gosh, so many things went wrong all year long for them. I think you could argue it's one of Nick Saban's best coaching jobs to beat Georgia, go to the, the college football playoff, win the SEC title. But the biggest loser by far is Georgia. I, Georgia, I, I so confidently believe, could have won the national title if they'd been let in with one loss. And them losing to Alabama in the SEC title game kept them out. And it's like, man, I, I don't know about that. The more I look back on it, I go, did we leave the best team out of the college football playoff? Like, did, did we? I think we might have. I think that the team that won 63-3 to against Florida State in that bowl game, was it the Sugar Bowl? I <laughs> don't remember. I think, I think Georgia could have beat Michigan on Monday. And, and we'll see. I, I would have, all year I thought we were getting ready for that. All year I was saying, like, I can't wait to watch Georgia play Michigan. And we didn't get that. Washington, Georgia, Washington, Michigan was fun. It was interesting. For three and a half quarters, good game. But I will always wonder, a little bit of me goes, what would have happened if Georgia made it in? I think Georgia might have got Michigan. And uh, it's a huge what if for me that will always, always kind of rattle around in my head. Like, what if Georgia, what if they'd won? What if they'd beat Alabama? Would they be repeating for the third time in a row as national title champions? I don't know, man. But uh, I think... It's it's always going to stick in my head a little bit that, you know, Georgia got left out, and I'm not sure that was right. Let's talk about NFL Week 18. NFL Week 18 was eventful. I'm not going to talk about every game because some of them, like Patriots, Jets, I don't care. Neither team is a playoff team. It literally couldn't matter any less. Didn't even watch it. I'm not going to acknowledge those kind of games. Um, but one thing that's really interesting from NFL Week 18, the AFC South title went to Houston. First of all, the Jacksonville Jaguars absolutely blew it. All the Jaguars had to do is beat the lowly Tennessee Titans and they win their division and make a playoff game. And they couldn't. The Jaguars couldn't beat the Tennessee Titans. The Jaguars lost to Tennessee 28 to 20. Trevor Lawrence, their young quarterback, had the ball at the end in the fourth quarter with a shot to put together a game-tying drive and could not. And uh, it was, I watched it live. It was like, man, I remember the, it was a fourth down throw, has a receiver open, throws it really high over the guy's head. And you're like, oh man. We, we, I mean, it was, it was fun. It was entertaining. But I, I thought the Jaguars really, really missed out. They had a good start to the year, fell apart. Trevor got hurt. And in response to losing the division title, losing to Tennessee, responding really to their whole season, the Jaguars have fired several several of their coaches. Doug Peterson's still there, but the defensive coordinator, Mike Caldwell, he's gone. He's been released or fired. They also fired the running back coach, the offensive line coach. Small, subtle changes have been made in Jacksonville. We'll see what, who they hire as the defensive coordinator. Um, maybe Brandon Staley. Joking, please don't do that. Uh, but yeah, I think the Jaguars really uh, kind of imploded towards the end of the year. And it's really sad because I thought they were building towards something. They made a playoff game last year. They beat the Chargers and we're heading, I thought, going to build off last year for this year. 
and they miss the playoffs. And you're like, oh, man. And I don't know that they're, you know, Trevon Walker, their number one overall pick is doing great. I, I think there's some concerns in Jacksonville. That's why they're making changes. And I'm really, really interested to see what Jacksonville does next year. Now, also during NFL Week 18, Houston beat Indy 23 to 19. So Houston uh, and Indy effectively became the AFC title game. Now, there was a controversial play at the end we should talk about before we talk about anything else. Uh, the Colts had the ball down four points, so they, they couldn't kick a field goal. They needed a touchdown. They're down four with a minute left in the red zone on the 15-yard line, fourth and one. And Gardner Minshew, quarterback who I absolutely love, throws a flat route to the left side of the field. It's like a, it's like a one-yard pass downfield. The ball was bad. It was kind of behind the receiver. And receiver running back Tyler Goodson dropped it. A lot of people have placed blame all over the place. It's Gardner Minshew's fault. It's a bad throw. It's Tyler Goodson's fault. That should be caught. I have gotten text messages from former quarterbacks, from former receivers. And basically, the feedback from everybody was, if you can name them, it's their fault. Right? All the quarterbacks said, that's got to be a better throw. That's on Gardner Minshew. All the receivers said... That's got to be a catch. If it touches your hands, you should catch it. So let's just kind of leave it where it is, which is this. It should have been a better throw, and it should have been caught. It's both on Gardner Minshew and Tyler Goodson. I've seen Tyler Goodson get a lot of hate. I've seen Gardner Minshew get a lot of hate. They both could have been better. The play should have been made. They should have converted that fourth down, and maybe they would be in the playoffs if they had. Um, But I've seen a lot of consternation about that play, and that's kind of the definitive look at it, in my opinion, is the quarterback should have been better, but the ball still should have been caught. And uh, both players could do a better job in that situation if they got a do-over. Now, the Houston Texans are a playoff team, which, uh, dude, it's unbelievable. The Houston, Te- let's say one more time, the Houston Texans are a playoff team. It's insane. They were 3-13-1 last year. And now Houston has won their division. They're hosting a playoff game next week. Like, with a rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud. It's incredible. I'm so happy for them. Um, I don't know who's going to win coach of the year this year. I really am not sure. I could see Mike Tomlin winning it. I could see, there's a couple coaches out there that I go, yeah, it's interesting. My, my, you know, Matt LaFleur, but it's probably going to be D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans or Kevin Stefanski are the two that, you know, Stefanski dealt with a ton of injuries in Cleveland and D'Amico Ryans took a team that was just a garbage pile last year and found a way to win their division with a rookie quarterback. And uh, it's unbelievable, man. It's really cool. And, and what's really interesting is the two, I would think, front runners for coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski and D'Amico Ryans, are going to play each other next week in a playoff game in Houston. And, uh, oh, man, it's so special. Really, really cool stuff. Seeing Houston make a playoff game with C.J. Stroud makes me very, very happy. All right, the NFC South was won by Tampa. Tampa beat Carolina 9 to nothing. Uh, week 18. So Tampa advances. They're nine and eight. They won the division. They made a playoff game. And uh, Baker Mayfield made the playoffs with another team. Tampa won his division and he beat his old team, Carolina, to do it. Remember, he went to Carolina last year. They didn't want him. They got rid of him, benched him after, you know, benched him, then got rid of him, traded him to, I guess he went to the Rams. And I'm just so happy for Baker Mayfield, man. Really, really to see him 
I mean, this is kind of a silly stat because not a lot of quarterbacks have this journey where they're drafted number one overall, then end up on multiple different teams. But Baker is the first ever quarterback to get drafted number one overall, then make a playoff game with multiple teams in the first six years of his career. What does that mean? Like, again, not many quarterbacks are drafted number one overall, then end up on another team a couple of years later, let alone multiple let alone do well on multiple teams. So I just think Baker's kind of interesting and special. And I don't think they're going to win their playoff game. They play Philly, but uh, Tampa made a playoff game. Baker won the division. And the impact of what happened made me really, really happy. So first of all, the Saints beat Atlanta 48 to 17. So Atlanta was mad because, well, I mean, I'm really speeding up here. I don't mean to, but um, New Orleans week 18 played Atlanta and if New Orleans won and Tampa lost New Orleans would have won the division instead of Tampa but Atlanta was really mad because the Saints lined up on the goal line with like a minute left and instead of taking a knee on the goal line they handed the ball to uh, Jamal Williams for him to get his first touchdown of the year apparently Jameis Winston the backup quarterback in New Orleans called an audible said we're not kneeling, kneeling it we're going to hand it to Jamal Williams get him a touchdown he had a great year last year. Didn't have any touchdowns this year. Let's get him a touchdown with like a minute left to go in the year. And I think it's cool. And I thought the response was really interesting. Atlanta was really mad. It's disrespectful. How dare you? I'm like, what? Jameis Winston said, well, we were winning 41-17. What's another six points do? Like, what's another touchdown going to do to this, this already bad loss for Atlanta? I, I have no sympathy for Atlanta. Arthur Smith, the coach, was all pissed off and angry and... I don't know, man. If you don't like the outcome, how about have things happen differently? You know, stop them from scoring. It's very simple. I feel no sympathy. And uh, I enjoyed watching the New Orleans Saints smack Atlanta 48 to 17. I liked the final touchdown at the end. And uh, frankly, I'm really glad. Let's, let's, we've, we'll talk more about fired coaches in a minute, but let's just acknowledge it now. Tampa won the NFC South. New Orleans beat Atlanta 48 17. And now Arthur Smith. The head coach in Atlanta has been fired, and uh, I'm so happy about it. I, no disrespect, not trying to hate on a guy. I, I just thought the way he ran his offense was ineffective. The way he used his players is really frustrating. I've never really liked his vibe as a leader, and I'm, I'm really uh, I'm happy to see Atlanta move on from Arthur Smith and uh, hopefully on to an awesome offensive coach that can work with young quarterbacks and develop somebody. I'm so, so interested in what Atlanta does next at the head coaching spot. And I'm really glad it's no longer going to be Arthur Smith. Dallas won the NFC East. Now, the story has to be the late year collapse by Philly. The Philadelphia Eagles were at one point 10 and 1 this year. They finished the year losing five of their final six games, which means they finished with an 11 and 6 record from 10 and 1 to 11 and 6. And in that time, Dallas slipped in, won the division, stole it from the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, oh my goodness, it's really interesting. First of all, it keeps the streak going. I think for the first time, or since 2004 basically, no team has won back-to-back NFC East titles. Last year, Philly won. This year, the Dallas Cowboys win. So the continuity stays the same. No one has won the NFC East in back-to-back years since 2004 when Philly did it. Kind of interesting, kind of cool. And during NFL Week 18, Philly lost to the Giants 27-10. Meanwhile, Dallas beat Washington 38-10. So Dallas, they're the number two seed in the NFC. They win the NFC East. Meanwhile, Philly, they're 11-6 and a wildcard team. And what a fall from grace. I have seen 
really sad, angry, upset Eagles fans even saying like, we should fire Nick Sirianni, our head coach. I'm like, whoa, whoa, slow down. I mean, he did just last year take them to, I don't know, a Super Bowl. I don't know how you're already ready to fire Nick Sirianni, the guy who, you know, going in. In August, you loved him. Best coach ever, if you ask people in August. They didn't like this year. They're upset. I think part of what happened to Philly this year, I mean, first of all, the year isn't over. Philly could still make corrections and even make a Super Bowl this year. We, we They're a playoff team, and they've got a lot of really talented players. I wouldn't totally write Philly off. But part of what happened with them, you know, Shane Steich and their offensive coordinator went to coach in Indy. Their defensive coordinator went to Arizona to be the head coach. I mean, they have lost kind of, it was kind of a brain drain. People left Philly. They did really well last year and they had to replace a lot of people on their staff. I I thought they did a better job replacing the players they lost than I think actually, than the way things actually ended up. But, um, you know, certainly... Nick Sirianni should not be in danger of losing his job. But if other more minor moves are made when it comes to coaches this offseason in Philly, wouldn't be too too disappointed. I'm really interested to see what they do. But uh, I'm also not ready to write Philly off entirely yet either. They still, I don't know, man. Like, do you want to play the Philadelphia Eagles in a playoff game? I I wouldn't. Maybe you do, but I, I think they're too talented. Like, the best game Philly can bring to the table... Should scare everybody. Should scare the 49ers. It should scare Dallas. It should scare Cleveland. It should scare the Rams. Should scare the Ravens, Detroit, everybody. If, I mean, I, I think Philly's kind of like the inverse of what Buffalo is. Buffalo was six and six at one point this year. They go on to make the playoffs, win their division. No one wants to play Buffalo right now because we all see how good they've been doing recently. But when Philly was 10-1, and one, nobody wanted to touch Philly. And I, I, I don't know, man. Like if, if Philly can recapture what they were midseason, I wouldn't want to play that team at all. All right, last game of the year. Last regular season game of the year, excuse me. On Sunday night football, Buffalo beat Miami 21-14. to 14. So the Buffalo Bills won the AFC East. Remember, again... Buffalo at one point was six and six. They won their final five games of the year, finish 11 and six. They are now the number two seed in the AFC and Buffalo won their division, the AFC East, which I think the way that Buffalo finished out has to be really, really impressive. What happened to them, in my opinion, the Buffalo Bills Super Bowl window is closing. They've got aging players. They... They're, you know, they, they fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, midseason. Like, things are not all great in Buffalo. And at some point, they're going to have to rebuild because the players they have right now are getting expensive. They're older. I think this is the year Buffalo's got to capitalize. Can they win a really tough game on the road in potentially the AFC title game or division round against Baltimore? That's a big question mark. I guess it would be the AFC title game because they're the number one and number two seed. So can they win a game in Baltimore to get to the Super Bowl? That's a big question. I'm not sure of the answer to that. But if Buffalo doesn't win a Super Bowl or make a Super Bowl this year, it could be another five years till they're back in this position. I really believe that. Because they're going to lose a lot of players on their defense are aging. They're getting more expensive. They're aging. And I, I don't know that next year is going to be the same for Buffalo. They found a way to survive. They were 6-6. Six and six. They bounced back. They're 11-6 and of the number two seed in the AFC. I'm not sure they'll be back in this position next year. So if you're a Bills fan, this is it. 
for a while. And you better hope your team can make a run. They've won five in a row. What would it be? Eight in a row? Get to a Super Bowl? Wild card, division around, AFC. So if they can win four more games in a row, the Buffalo Bills will be Super Bowl champions because anyone won nine games to end the year? Probably, I'm sure that's happened at some point. Uh, Now, the game itself between Buffalo and Miami was really fun. Sunday Night Football came down to the wire. Loved it. I I love when games come down to the fourth quarter, and I'm not sure who's going to win in that fourth quarter. Miami had the ball late, and Tua threw an interception with about a minute left. Couldn't tie the game. Oh, man. I You know, I, I maintain, I love watching the Miami Dolphins. They're awesome. Their coach is incredible. I love Tua. Like, Tua's awesome. As a human, he's from Hawaii. Love the guy. I'm so afraid that the legacy with the Miami Dolphins this year and maybe the rest of their time together with Tua and McDaniel, I think it's Dan Fouts' Chargers teams. I think it's Phillip Rivers with the Chargers. I think it's... Uh, Dan Marino with Miami. I think it's it's a team that is going to be so fun to watch for years to come. They're going to score a lot of points and be exciting and interesting and throw the ball all, all over the field. But are they going to win a Super Bowl? Are they going to beat good teams? Because this year, uh, Miami went 11-6. and six. They beat one team of the winning record. Horrifying. Horrifying. How is that possible? I don't know. I really worry. I love this Dolphins team. They're so much fun. I think they're going to give us a really good playoff game in Kansas City this next weekend. But uh, I've got my doubts. I've got my skepticism. And as much as I love what's happened in Miami, I'm very worried about them. All right, let's look ahead to the NFL playoffs this weekend. But first, before we do that, got to share a word from Factor. Factor Meal Kits is offering 50% off to listeners of this show, go to factormeals.com slash SOS50 and use code SOS50 to get 50% off. That's code SOS50 at factormeals.com slash SOS50 to get 50% off. Factor is a meal kit service. They send you ready-to-eat meals. They're easy to prepare. They showed up in a box with a bunch of high-quality ice packs. You put the meal kits in the fridge, and when you want food, you go to the fridge, you pick up the food, you put it in the microwave, and in about two minutes, two minutes, two and a half minutes later, got a great meal ready to go it's high quality never frozen good ingredients and compared to all the other options you can have for a quick and easy meal i would say factor meal kits is the best also this is really interesting to me there are so many different ways you can customize your order maybe you're on a diet or trying to cut calories maybe you want to if you're trying to cut calories there are low calorie options but maybe you just want a good meal that doesn't take 30 minutes to an hour to prepare You can do that too. Factor can meet you where you want to be. You can customize your order however you want. There are so many options. And like for me, I'm really busy right now. Got a new job. I just did a lot of moving around, trying to do a side job, strong opinion sports. So for me, it's really valuable to go to my fridge and have a really good meal ready and waiting for me. You pull it out, you put it in the microwave two, three minutes later, you've got a great meal ready to go. I saved a lot of time. It's also cheaper for you and better than the other options. You've got 50% off with code SOS50 compared to takeout or delivery. Guys, those prices are not good compared to Factor. And again, if you want a high-quality meal quickly, I recommend Factor. Go to factormeals.com slash SOS50 and use code SOS50 to get 50% off. That's code SOS50 at factormeals.com slash SOS50 to get 50% off. Given the value, given the ingredients, I think you'd be silly not to look into it. All right, um, 
The number one game this weekend, by far, easily, obviously, far and away, the game, if you watch only one playoff game, which if you only, if you listen to this podcast, you probably love football. And if you're only going to watch one playoff game, shame on you. <laughs> There's so much good football this weekend. You should watch more. But if you're only going to watch one this weekend, the number one game you got to pay attention to is the LA Rams on the road at Detroit. Matthew Stafford against his former team. Jared Goff against his former team. Imagine this. You get to a Super Bowl with your, your team. They drafted you number one overall. They hired a coach you love. You get to a Super Bowl, but you lose. How do they reward you with that? They fire you. They trade you. They send you to Detroit, a horrible team that's never won anything. And the guy they replace you with, they win a Super Bowl with him. So Matthew Stafford did the one thing Jared Goff couldn't do in L.A. He won a Super Bowl. But Matthew Stafford played for like 12 years in Detroit. Never won the NFC North. Never won their division. As far as I know, never won a playoff game. Matthew Stafford could never really fully rebuild the Detroit Lions. He tried for years and they failed. So when Matthew Stafford went to the LA Rams and did what Jared Goff could never do, win a Super Bowl, I would argue that maybe Jared Goff did the even more difficult thing. Jared Goff rebuilt the Detroit Lions. Something Stafford tried for years and could never achieve. He made the lowly Detroit Lions, a team that's been awful my entire lifetime, made them into a playoff team, made them into a playoff favorite, won their division. Both of these guys did what the other one couldn't achieve. Now they play each other in a playoff game. Matthew Stafford returns back to his old building in Detroit at Ford Field. Cannot wait. You, you can't write a better story than this. This is all I've been wanting for so long. I've been pointing out since like, was it two months ago? I was like, this could happen. Maybe it was less than that. Maybe it was a month and a half ago. But there was a point where I was like, wait a minute. We could get a playoff game with Matthew Stafford on the road at Detroit. And you know what is interesting to look back at? Remember the game where the Detroit Lions got screwed out of a victory against the Dallas Cowboys? Where, you know, number 68, Taylor Decker reported eligible, but they said number 70 was eligible. So the game-winning two-point conversion didn't count. And there was consternation because there was a tripping penalty. I don't really care. The point is this. At the time, I remember, I remember being like, this is unfair. Detroit got screwed over. But let's appreciate. And, and this is where conspiracy theories go crazy. Maybe the NFL is rigged. Maybe they planned all this. But without that missed call, without that screw-up, we would not get Jared Goff hosting Matthew Stafford in a playoff game. So it all worked out. It's okay. And I cannot wait to watch the Rams on the road at Detroit. Sunday night football, 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock Eastern. Game of the weekend. You should watch Rams at Lions. It's going to be energetic, fun. The crowd's going to be crazy. And I cannot wait to watch on Sunday night football. Let's go back to Saturday. On Saturday, Cleveland will go on the road to play Houston. And uh, three weeks ago, Cleveland went to Houston and won. So it's, you know, theoretically should be a cakewalk for Cleveland. However, um, in that game three weeks ago, Texans rookie quarterback CJ Stroud, probably the rookie of the year, did not play because of a concussion. So the quarterback for Houston was Case Keenum. And uh, it wasn't college, so they didn't win. <laughs> um, this could be a very different game between the Browns and the Houston Texans with CJ Stroud playing and healthy. I still expect Cleveland to win. But I think, it's an, I think it's a good game. Saturday, it's the first game of the weekend. 
CJ Stroud hosting a playoff game. Houston's really turned things around. And then Joe Flacco on the road at Houston. And again, I, I really wonder how playing each other three weeks ago impacts this matchup. Because when they played each other three weeks ago, I don't think anyone foresaw Houston would be the team that wins the AFC South. And I don't know how the film stuff is going to affect because the stuff Cleveland put out on film, they're going to have to do again. And how much of an advantage does it give to Houston, especially when Houston didn't play with all their cards on the table because their quarterback wasn't healthy? Very interesting. Does the matchup three weeks ago give Houston an advantage in the playoff game? Interesting question. We'll find out on Saturday. The other Saturday game, I think is going to be a great game. Now, the two teams I'm about to say are flawed. They're not perfect. However, Saturday we're going to get Miami at Kansas City. Two teams that are a bit suspect in my opinion. You know, Miami only beat one good team all year, literally. 11 wins, but they only beat one team with a winning record, Dallas. Barely, by the way. Kansas City has a couple weaknesses. Number one is receiver. That's the biggest thing all year. It's like their receiving core is a problem. And uh, Miami's got some pretty good players in their secondary. Both teams are imperfect, though. Miami's got a lot of injuries on their defensive line. I think what we're going to see even though both teams are imperfect, is a really fun and exciting high-scoring game. You've got two offensive coaches, Mike McDaniel and Andy Reid. Kansas City's got a better defense than Miami does. However, Miami doesn't have a bad defense either. They've got Vic Fangio, who's a g- defensive genius as a defensive coordinator. Another storyline is Tyree Kill playing his former team, Kansas City, in Kansas City in a playoff game. I think this game Saturday night, Miami at Kansas City actually could be I don't know. I, I It could either be really low scoring and ugly, like a defensive battle, which I don't expect. I think it's more likely to be 35-33, 37-35. High scoring, fun, competitive, really interesting, and I cannot wait to watch. On Sunday, here's a fun storyline. Green Bay plays a Green Bay pay, plays a playoff game, can't even talk, in Dallas. Remember, Mike McCarthy is the Cowboys head coach. He won a Super Bowl as a head coach with the Green Bay Packers years ago. Got fired in Green Bay. Now, Mike McCarthy is going to play his former team at home in Dallas. I am so interested. Can you imagine if the Packers won? If the Packers, who... I like Green Bay. They've done some good stuff. They barely made a playoff game, and good for them. Their young quarterback, Jordan Love, came a long way. At the end of the year, Jordan Love got better and better and better, and I think he's fantastic. The receiving core has been... Um, limited and young in Green Bay, but they've gotten better as the year has gone on, and this Green Bay Packers team has gotten better every single week of this season. But let's all acknowledge, Dallas has got a much better team. They're a better roster, better on paper. And so if Mike McCarthy chokes on Sunday at home against the Green Bay Packers' former team, oh, man, I, does he keep his job? What happens there? I mean, that would be a colossal letdown. The Dallas Cowboys cannot afford to go one and done, especially given who they're playing against. A team that barely made a playoff game. The Cowboys are the heavy favorite. But let's let's think for a minute. What's going to happen if the Dallas Cowboys blow it on Sunday? If they lose to Green Bay? Ooh, questions are going to have to be answered. Like really tough questions in Dallas. They better win. Dallas has to win this game on Sunday. Pittsburgh plays at Buffalo. Um, I do not expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this football game. 
In fact, uh, TJ Watt, who led the NFL in sacks this year, got hurt, got a knee injury week 18 against Baltimore. So TJ Watt is not going to play, which further reinforces my feeling that I don't think Pittsburgh is going to win this football game at Buffalo. He's playing really well. But can we give respect to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Like, how insane is it that Pittsburgh finished 10-7 and and is a playoff team? You got to give a lot of respect to Mike Tom on their head coach. I doubt it at times. In fact, at some time points this year, I could have even been called the Steelers hater. I, I, I openly wanted them to finish with a losing record to break that little streak of having consecutive winning seasons, but they did a great job. They're 10-7. and seven. They not only have a winning record, but Pittsburgh made a playoff game. And they've overcome a lot this year. They fired their offensive coordinator midseason. They benched their starting quarterback, Kenny Pickett. They finished the year winning three games in a row with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, who he's had a tumultuous journey as a Steelers quarterback. We just, regardless of what happens on Sunday, Pittsburgh plays in Baltimore, they're probably going to lose. Or sorry, in Buffalo, excuse me, they're probably going to lose still. Regardless of what happens in Buffalo on Sunday, you got to walk away from this year with a lot of respect for Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And just imagine... Imagine if they can have a good, successful offense, like a good quarterback and the right offensive coordinator. I think special things can happen. I don't know what's going to happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers this offseason. I think they overachieved a lot this year. You got to respect Mike Tomlin. If you didn't already, I, I, always, I always respected him. But this is like a truly great coaching job. And he's not going to get considered for coach of the year, but he should, in my opinion. To overcome Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett's struggles, and then getting benched and be where you are now. It's crazy that Pittsburgh's a playoff team. And again, the coach of the year is going to go to D'Amico Ryans or Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. But you can make a very strong argument that it should go to Mike Tomlin. And uh, hey, man, a lot of respect. What a great job he's done. And just getting to this point, win or lose, is impressive to me. Now, on Monday night, uh, which I got to say, I don't like having... I really hate having a playoff game on a Monday night because if you win the game, you've got one less day to prepare for next week. And I just, I just hate that. I don't like having, you know, a, a Monday night game in the playoffs. We don't need that. It's, we're already screwing things up with Saturdays and Sundays and, you know, a short week is just, I think a disadvantage, like if Philly or Tampa wins either way, eh, it's not great for them. But on Monday, Philly will go to Tampa and I just got to say it, the Philadelphia Eagles have to win this football game, <laughs> right? Tampa is happy to be here. They're just happy to be in a playoff game. They won their division. Philly's a team that was 10-1 and one this year. They can't just get sent home immediately in the playoffs. They, on paper, are a way better team. They finished the year badly, but I would be surprised if Tampa beat Philly. But let's acknowledge, like, Philly cannot be one and done in a playoff game. I think sweeping changes are already going already to happen in Philly unless they win a Super Bowl or something crazy. I think they're going to make changes, not to Nick Sirianni, the head coach, but probably some little subtle changes with the offensive coaching staff and the defensive coordinator, stuff like that. But, man, I, uh, I Philly's got to beat Tampa on Monday Night Football in Tampa. All right. Um, multiple NFL coaches have been fired. So earlier this year, we already know, the Raiders fired Josh McDaniels. The Chargers fired Brandon Staley. And Carolina fired Frank Reich. 
Now, since the year has come to an end, Atlanta has fired Arthur Smith. Hallelujah. We love that Arthur Smith went 21 and 30, coaching three years in Atlanta. That means Arthur Smith went seven and 10 every single year, underachieving constantly in Atlanta. And the offense, ah, Arthur Smith drives me crazy. He doesn't treat quarterbacks very well. He doesn't instill confidence in them. He doesn't build an offense that works well to the quarterback's skill set. Oh, on top of that, they've got a bunch of weapons in Atlanta. Kyle Pitts, a really talented young tight end. Drake London, a really good, powerful receiver, a guy who can go get jump balls. They've also got this really incredible running back, B. John Robinson, who can run, who can catch passes out of the backfield. He's like this crazy special talent. And they wasted all of it. I hated, hated so much the way Atlanta used their young offensive talent. I am so happy to see Arthur Smith gone. He drove me nuts. His play calling, his design, the way he treated quarterbacks, all of it. He had to go. And I'm so glad that Atlanta didn't win their division and they did, in fact, fire Arthur Smith. Hallelujah. Washington also has now fired Ron Rivera, their head coach. Uh, We saw this coming. Washington wasn't very good. They just got a new owner. There was no way they were going to keep Ron Rivera after this year. We all knew that. And in four years, Ron Rivera went 26-40-1. No shock here. But respect, remember, he took Carolina to a Super Bowl once. They lost, but still, he's not an awful coach. um, But he's not the coach that was hired by the new owner. And we all saw this coming. A surprising thing happened. Um, I've seen this reported a lot of different ways. It depends how you word it. I guess... Tennessee fired Mike Rabel, their head coach, although I've heard it also put they parted ways. I don't know that this was a traditional firing in the sense of like, we hate you, you're doing terrible, let's replace you. I think Mike Rabel was unhappy with the Titans' ownership, and Mike Rabel was unhappy with the way things are being run. He was given not a very good team this year. I don't know. I I don't think Mike Rabel got just dropped. I think Mike Rabel had a long conversation with ownership and said, I want to part ways. I think that's more truth to that than... Just blanket statement, Mike Vrabel got fired. But in six years in Tennessee, Mike Vrabel went 54 and 45. Had a couple of really good years, 12 and 5, 11 and 5, 6 or 5 one year. They won two playoff games. Um, this year was tough. Tennessee never really had a shot this year. They weren't a very good football team. But I love Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel is uh, one of the best coaches available, in my opinion. He's fantastic. And... Uh, When you look at the head coaching jobs out there, I think the L.A. Chargers job is the best available. We're waiting to see if Belichick becomes available. Could Bill Belichick get fired in New England or maybe part ways there? We don't know. They do have a a top three pick, so they could get a young quarterback if they want. Maybe they draft, you know, Jaden Daniels out of LSU or something. The Raiders are rumored to be interested in Mike Rabel. Remember, Tom Brady's got the ear of the Raiders owner, Mark Davis, and so... I saw a report that, like, Vrabel's already flying out to meet with Brady in Las Vegas. So maybe Mike Vrabel's the next coach of the Raiders, which is sad because I like Antonio Pierce, who's there. He's done a great job as interim head coach, but Vrabel does a good job. That's interesting for sure. And uh, I'm, I'm just really curious. I think Jim Harbaugh might go to the Chargers. I think he's interested in that job. We saw a report that Harbaugh was offered like $110 million to stay at Michigan, and he didn't sign the deal yet. He hasn't made a... Now, he's been focused on a playoff game and he just won the national title. But I think Harbaugh is definitely going to have the conversation with LA and see if they want him. 
Does he want to be the head coach for Justin Herbert? That seems like an incredible opportunity. The question is this, though. Michigan's offering like $100 million, literally $110 million for 10 years was the rumored offer for Jim Harbaugh to stay at Michigan. Does the LA Chargers ownership have the willingness to spend that much money to, to bid for Jim Harbaugh? Are they too cheap to pay Jim Harbaugh is really the question. Very possibly. And if Jim Harbaugh doesn't get hired by the LA Chargers because of money, it's the most Chargers thing ever. And unfortunately, I think that could absolutely happen. It would be shameful. If Justin Herbert doesn't get a great coach like Jim Harbaugh, because they refuse to spend the money required to hire a great coach in LA. I mean, I, I don't know how this team has fans anyway. I don't, I don't know who is a Chargers fan. It seems so painful to be a fan of theirs. But if they don't hire Jim Harbaugh, and they, and they don't hire Belichick, and instead they hire some no-name coordinator you've never heard of, or maybe you heard of him because you're a football nerd like me, but he's not a popular guy. It would be such a travesty because it's so clear what should happen in L.A., Spend the money, go get Harbaugh, and try to get Herbert some help. And if they don't do that, oh boy. I, I don't know who would willingly choose to be a fan of that organization. I have no idea. Hey, uh, the playoffs are here, so we now know definitively the NFL season is over. We now know the top 18 picks of the NFL draft. Let's talk about it. The Chicago Bears have the number one pick. They got that in their trade with Carolina last year. So Chicago's got the number one pick. They've also got the number nine overall pick. Good for Chicago. The Washington Commanders have the number two overall pick. What does that mean? If Washington wants a quarterback, they're going to get one. The big question mark is, is Chicago going to draft number one, trade down, or uh, maybe not draft a quarterback? Like, they could draft Marvin Harrison Jr. number one overall, for example. And then Caleb Williams would fall to Washington where you got to draft Caleb Williams. He's from the D.C. area. Either way, Washington's going to get a quarterback. Which one? We don't know. Same with New England. The New England Patriots have the number three overall pick. There's going to be a quarterback available, whether that's Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels. They're going to get one of their top three quarterbacks in the draft. I find that. I think Jaden Daniels in New England, an athletic, really talented quarterback, that excites me a lot. Arizona has the number four overall pick. They're for sure going to draft, I would imagine, help for Kyler Murray. We're thinking about, I don't know, Marvin Harrison Jr., Romeo Odunze, in, uh, from Washington, the receiver from Washington, Romeo Odunze. The Chargers are the number five pick. They're also, I would assume, going to draft help for Justin Herbert, their young quarterback. Here's where it gets really interesting. The Giants have the number six overall pick. What do they do at quarterback? Do they stick with Daniel Jones? Do they replace him? Do they draft like Cameron Ward? What, what happens with the Giants at number six overall? I don't know. That's fascinating to me. The Titans have the number seven overall pick. The Titans have a quarterback, Will Levis. I like him. He's young. He's awesome. I think they draft to build around Will Levis, in my opinion. Atlanta's got the number eight pick. Could Atlanta trade up with Chicago, maybe? Can you imagine Caleb Williams in Atlanta with Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Bijan Robinson? Oh, hallelujah. That's what I want to see happen. Atlanta should trade up with Chicago, give up a ton. I don't care. Go get Caleb Williams number one overall. Plus, Caleb Williams in Atlanta, like, he fits that city, man. He would be so awesome in Atlanta. I really, really want to see that happen. Um, 
What does Chicago do? Chicago's got the number nine pick and the number one pick. I think Chicago should trade down both picks. Trade down from one to whatever, get a great receiver. Trade down nine to whatever, get even more draft picks. If Chicago does it right, they could really dominate this draft and build. They could probably turn the number one pick and the number nine pick into four picks in the first two rounds, like two second rounders, two first rounders, and get four high quality players to build around Justin Fields, their young quarterback. And that thought makes me really, really excited. Now, will they maybe replace Justin Fields? They could draft Caleb Williams number one overall. And that real possibility. I watched the Packers-Bears game week 18 and uh, Jordan Love is a better quarterback on the field that day. Some of that's coaching. I don't think they're going to replace Matt Eberflus, the head coach in Chicago. So to me, um, we've seen Justin Fields now outshined by another young quarterback, Jordan Love. And maybe Chicago goes, we like Justin Fields. We think he's got potential, but we don't want to do this anymore. And then if Justin Fields get traded from gets traded from Chicago, you know where Justin Fields would be incredible? Atlanta. He's from Georgia. He went to Georgia for college for a year. He's literally from the area. I think Justin Fields getting traded to Atlanta would be, you can give up, you could probably get, Atlanta could probably get Justin Fields for a second round pick. And then you draft with the number eight pick, someone to build around him. I don't know, man. Imagine this. I I think whoever goes to Atlanta next year, Atlanta with a good quarterback or any kind of excitement at quarterback really interests me. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, B. John Robinson, Tyler Algier, a lot of good weapons there. If you get a quarterback... And if, like, if Chicago trades Justin Fields to Atlanta, they've got weapons already in Atlanta, you hire the right offensive coach, maybe use that number eight overall pick to draft another weapon on offense, and then now we're cooking, man, and we could see a really fun offense around Justin Fields in Atlanta. Woo! That excites me, man. I want that badly. The Jets have the number 10 overall pick. We think Aaron Rodgers is coming back. How are they going to use that number 10 pick to support him? Minnesota's got the number 11 overall pick. This is where it gets really fun. The Jets are number 10. Minnesota's number 11. Denver's number 12 in the draft. And now we're talking about guys like Cameron Ward, the quarterback out of Washington State, who I I think he, I think Cameron Ward, number 11 overall, is a really interesting pick. To Minnesota, they've got Kirk Cousins. They keep him for one more year. Cameron Ward, the young Really talented quarterback sits behind Kirk Cousins for a year. Buddy of mine, Brett Coleman, said recently that, hey, Minnesota was trying really hard to go get Anthony Richardson last year. So Cameron Ward, they were trying to replace Kirk Cousins last year. Kirk is coming off of a torn Achilles, but he's stable. He can play next year. That allows a young quarterback to sit and learn. I think Minnesota, number 11 overall, could absolutely draft a quarterback. We're talking Jaden Daniels. We're talking Cameron Ward. There's going to be talented quarterbacks available, number 11 overall, and I think Minnesota could go get one. Denver's number 12 overall. Could they get Michael Penix Jr.? I don't love that idea. Michael Penix Jr. has blown out both ACLs and both shoulders and didn't play great in the national title game. Him in Denver in the cold, scares me a lot. But he does have really good timing. He's very accurate. Like he's, He was a lot this year. I think Sean Payton looks at Michael Panix Jr. and goes, I can work with that. I can teach that kid how to play at a high level. I just worry about him physically. The Raiders have the number 13 overall pick. The Saints have the number 14 overall pick. Indy's got the number 15 overall pick. Seattle has the number 16 overall pick. The Jaguars have the number 17 overall pick. 
and the Cincinnati Bengals have the number 18 overall pick. Those are the top 18 picks of the draft, and oh boy, this year's NFL draft is going to be really fun, really interesting, and uh, really, really exciting. Guys, let's now answer questions from Patreon. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Zach Shomler, patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. It's a dollar a month. You can donate more if you want to. Please do. It literally does pay my rent, but a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. You can donate more if you want to. Please do. It literally does take care of me, but I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee, I look at every single question with my eyeballs and I pick the top couple to read on the show. Question number one today comes from Kenny. It's a, it's a comment. It's interesting. Kenny says, hello, Zach. So this comment is in regards to your, to you talking about duck and how you've never had good duck. Kenny says, I might be biased, but go to one of the Chinese barbecue places and get the roast duck. It is delicious. My uncle owns a Chinese restaurant that has roast duck, and I swear it's the best. Gonna add that to the list. Roast duck. Okay. We'll find out. Makes me think of a song, a little children's book I read. What was it? What was it about? It was like, it was, I, you know, I, I bet it aged poorly. There was a, a children's book my mom used to read to me about duck dinner. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, it was like a, a lesson to be careful and listen to your parents, basically. But like, I think the duck got cooked at the end of the book. I don't even know. I don't, probably no one knows what I'm talking about. But if you know, you know. You remember like duck dinner something in the book. I, I, let, let's find out. Let me Google this. Children's book, duck dinner. I want to see if I can. Children's book, duck dinner. Um, what comes up? Oh, there's a couple. Duck soup. Ducks at the door. I, I think it's one of these. The duck who came for dinner. Oh, there's lots of... Oh, Ping. The story about Ping. That's what it was. Marjorie Flack and Kurt Wise. Does anyone know the story of Ping? Ping the duck? Duck dinner will come for you. That I don't remember the whole book at all. And I, again, I bet it aged poorly with uh, you know the way we, we look at certain things in the world. But um... <laughs> the story of Ping. Anyone know what I'm talking about? If you, if you do, you do. And if you don't, you don't. I'm going to move on. Uh, Justin writes in, says, my bad Panthers fan. I made that comment about Bryce Young two weeks ago on Zach's show. And since then, we've been shut out two games in a row. Feel free to roast me into beef jerky. I don't remember what you said, Justin. You were praising Bryce Young. And I think saying he was better than CJ Stroud, which I remember saying, like, we don't have to compare, but not a great end of the year for Bryce Young. We'll do a Bryce Young film analysis at some point. I'm single and I got nothing else better to do. So I got to watch a lot of film after work. And uh, yeah, we'll do a Bryce Young film analysis. And I'm really interested to see what we will find. Andy writes in, says, Zach, another eyes of the future. Uh, question. Would you rather feel the most pain you have ever felt for an extended period of time, but then never feel pain again, or never feel pain, but also never feel any happiness? Uh, the most pain you have felt for an extended period of time. Is that just what's happening right now in my life? <laughs> is, 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 this isn't a hypothetical. This is just what's going on right now. Right? No? Okay. Um, well, Andy, I think I got a deep answer to your question. You need pain in your life. You need things that suck and you need things that teach you lessons. And I would not trade. I would, I would not, I, would, I don't want to change anything. I, I think that, um, unfortunately, painful lessons are how we learn and grow. And, um, when you go through hard times, it's your nervous system telling you to learn stuff and do differently next time. And, um, 
how how could you feel happiness if you never felt pain again? How do you know you're in the good times without having gone through some bad times too? You know what I mean? I, I think part of joy is appreciation. And I'm in this I'm in a really weird spot in my life. I mean, look look of the room I'm in, right? It's a, it's a spare bedroom. Um and I'm grateful. I'm I'm trying to be grateful for all the good things going on in my life. And uh I just made a change in my job and I, I I'm with a company I, I came to work for. They gave me a different job than I came for. They want me to basically earn my way to where I want to be. And that was uh frustrating. But they also love me and they believe in me and they want to invest in me. And I'm instead of panicking, I didn't get what I want, I'm just gonna trust them and appreciate what I have and try to grow in this opportunity. And so I guess that's a way of saying like you have to go through hard stuff and um, again, how can you feel happiness and joy if you don't know um, pain and sadness? Appreciation matters. And so uh, Andy, I wouldn't change anything. Michael writes in, uh, Michael's got an unhinged question. We'll answer in a second, but let's, let's first read a football thing yesterday. Michael says, a football point about the Florida State stuff. I understand why everyone was happy about the games. It might have been the best college football playoff ever. The same people, though, are going to complain when the ACC dies in the next couple of years and the conference is realign again. The committee basically told Florida State that the ACC was a group of five conference. It dealt the ACC a mortal wound, and now it's just a matter of what else dies with it. I am all for some sort of revenue sharing, but collective bargaining in the college athletics in college athletics is a mortal wound to play quality. What does that mean? I don't know. Oh, mortal wound to play quality. So play quality is going to go away, you're saying. You can see it in the NFL or any other place where there are unions. They protect mediocrity. You'll see the rules start to change for player safety until the rules are just as bad as in the pros. But in 15 to 20 years, it will be barely recognizable except at the D3 level. I hope I'm wrong. But with the way TV is intertwined, I have no faith in the people involved in the administration. Love your thoughts. So college football, you're saying, uh, Michael, is headed towards some changes. And I agree. I Chip Kelly said something really interesting recently. He talked about maybe doing away with conferences, saying, well, let's just take the top 40 teams and make them all a new subdivision of college football. We've got the FCS level. We've got the FBS level. And then we could have the F super a level or whatever you want to call it right whatever triple a college football whatever you want to call it where basically the big 10 the sec and a couple of clemson whatever else is out there florida state say we got the top 40 teams in college football and they're now a new different different level completely why are we trying to have you know act like eastern michigan is at the same level as alabama it's not and let's just acknowledge it and be more open about it and have a college football uh, commissioner you got 40 teams, you got 10 different brackets, and you play a different schedule every year. I think that the more we can organize college football and separate it from the other the other sports, because college football just should not be anywhere near volleyball, baseball, track and field, the other means and the other sports competing in college football, because the money's so different, the interest is so different. College football needs to be its own thing separate from the rest of college sports, and um I think that would create a lot of freedom where what if there is no, how come the same conference that has UCLA, so what am I saying? How, so if UCLA is in the big 10, 
why not just remove football from they play a Big Ten conference in volleyball and baseball and what basketball, whatever. But how about we just remove football from the equation? It's just make it a separate thing entirely. I love that idea. And uh, I'm not saying that very well, but Michael, hope that makes sense to your response. And I agree. I think things are going to change in college football in a major way. Now, Michael says this. Hey, Zach, here's an unhinged question. If you could be at the top of any genre of music, what would it be? Rap, metal, country, orchestral? I mean, man, imagine being a rock star. Can you, can you imagine, by the way, you're playing your song you wrote and created, and then there's just thousands of people on the other side of like a little fence, basically, screaming your lyrics at you, singing along with you. That's got to be one of the best feelings in the world. I mean, I, I'll never know what it's like to be a rock star, but I, I can imagine that's an incredible, incredible feeling. Even at a small level, like I love this band called Dury, who plays like really small concerts, right? Like we're talking 100 to 50 people. 50 to 100 people, like a really small amount. Even that kind of moment where you're playing like, my mama always said I would regret it. You're playing like a guitar and singing that chorus. And who's laughing now? Like, I bet that feels amazing. Even with 100 people singing your lyrics at you. Then imagine 10,000, 30,000, what that's got to feel like. So metal interests me, like playing, you know, rock would be really cool. But I, I would probably be whatever Post Malone is, some kind of pop whatever the kind of music i like is like john belly and post malone whatever that amalgamation of it's not really rap it's not really pop it's kind of its own thing that's what i would probably like to make and um i guess that answers your question kevin writes in kevin says hello zach and his eyeballs i've been a fan of the show for about three or four years now and i've always loved your content no matter the subject this is the first time i'm writing in and i would love to hear your thoughts about the ufl that being the new spring league merger between the xfl and the usfl is this something you would be interested in covering in the spring if you have time for it? I mean, I'm interested. I don't know how I'd cover it. I'd probably cover it with its own video separate from the podcast because I want to record the show. In the off season, I'd like to record this show on Sundays and have it out Monday mornings. That'd be nice. Um, games are on Sundays. I don't, I don't see that fitting into the schedule very well. I think it's its own separate thing anyway. So I, I, to be totally honest, I have no idea how I'm going to cover the UFL, if at all. Um, and, and will it even grab me? Is it even interesting enough? And here's what I really know about the UFL. The effort it would require to cover it isn't worth it in the views that I would return. I cover the XFL like crazy. I was, I would think the best source to find any kind of opinions or content about the XFL when it happened in 2020. And I wasn't rewarded, right? I, I put everything into that and nobody watched. Like I, I was the players. I would go to like post game press conferences to talk to the players and interview them, and they recognized me because I was like the only one making that content, breaking down the games, sharing my opinions, treating it like a real thing. And when I gave the XFL the respect I thought it deserved, I wasn't rewarded with viewership. And so I'm like, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to take my small audience and make it even smaller by doing all in on UFL coverage. But we'll see. Colin writes in and says, hey, Zach, I was wondering if you were a dog or cat person. Depending on your answer, what's your ideal pet? Color pattern, coat color, breed, gender, etc. I'm a huge cat guy. Love cats. Like, I am all in on cats. I someday want to have my own place and doing well, I want my own cat. I want to get a kitten, like 10 weeks old, younger the better, because then you can train him more to be your own cat. If you get him too late, like if you adopt a cat at a year old, right? you can't really mold them into being the cat you are. They kind of already are developed. If you get a kitten really young, you can teach them how to be the kind of cat you want them to be and cuddle and sleep with you and all that kind of stuff. And 
I want a cuddly little ragdoll kitten that I can hold upside down and loves it and will just cuddle me when I watch movies and stuff. Um, cat person all the way. I hate dog poop. I hate picking it up. I like litter boxes. They're easier. Cats are less work. They clean themselves. Literally, like, I'm a huge cat guy all the way. And it's it's maintenance. It's everything. And when a cat loves you, you feel chosen. When a dog gives you love, you're like, eh, they love everybody for the most part. When a cat gives you love, you feel really special. And and I I, I just, I'm a cat person, man, all the way. Last question of, the, question of the day. Joshua writes in and says, Hi, Zach. With the Bears being possibly the most interesting offseason team, if you were the Bears GM, how would you handle this offseason? Specifically from a draft picks versus keeping Justin Fields or not point of view. What would I do? I would probably keep Justin Fields because um, I i mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this, honestly. Caleb Williams might be better than Justin Fields. Let's acknowledge that, right? But how much better? I don't know. And certainly Justin Fields is good enough to win if you give him support, I believe. So let's support him. Whether that's reckless or not, I think Chicago could be a very competitive, fun, interesting, and exciting team to watch. If they just use their draft picks, I think you trade down from number one to whatever. You've also got the number nine pick, you trade down again. I think you could turn... I think Chicago could use their draft picks right to have five picks in the first two rounds of this year's draft. And then if you nail all, because they got their own second round pick, they've got two first round picks. You can definitely trade down for a first and a second with both picks, if not probably more to get, the number one pick is going to be so valuable, you can get probably two firsts and a second for that. I think if you're Chicago, you just, you got a good quarterback who's young, who needs support, let's support him. Because if you draft Caleb Williams, what's going to happen? You're going to have the same problem as before. You've got the same team with a slightly better quarterback and no support around him. So how about, please, can we just... And if you trade away Justin Fields, you're not going to get more than like a second-round pick for him. I, I think if you do trade Justin Fields, trade him to Atlanta for a second-round pick, everyone wins there. But man, like, instead of creating a new problem where you've got another young quarterback who needs support, how about you just support the one you have? And uh, that's what I would do if I was Chicago. I'd trade both picks down. I would try to have... My goal would be to have five picks in the first two rounds of this year's draft, and I would use all of them to support Justin Fields and build a great team around him. And uh, probably draft all offense, honestly. Screw it. Like, let's just make ourselves a really fun, really exciting offense, and uh, we're going to score a lot of points. And we're a defensive head coach. we got a defensive head coach, Matt Eberflus, so let's win with coaching on defense and young players on offense and make an exciting, fun offense. That's what I would probably do in Chicago. And... Uh, Again, I think if you get rid of Justin Fields, you're creating a new problem rather than solving the one you have, which is helping support your young quarterback. Because, again, if you get rid of Justin Fields, you're just restarting and you got to do the same thing over again. You got to just restart and build around the other new guy and you're back to square one. So why do that? Commit to Justin Fields and build around him. That's what I would do and um, that's my answer. That goes for a lot of things, I guess, too. We're so quick in our society to discard people and things. And I've really learned uh, in this chapter of my life, people are not replaceable, right? And uh, there's a little little PSA, I guess. I've been talking to my friend about, uh, I got a friend who lives in Australia. She's going through a similar breakup to me. And people are so quick to replace other people in the dating world rather than work on themselves and try to ha- communicate and figure stuff out. We're like, ah, just find another person on Tinder. 
to some degree, like you can find a person who's a better fit for you, sure. But at some point you also have to just work on yourself and communicate with each other and try to make things work. And so, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I think for so long, like our parents' generation, like especially our my grandparents, that generation stuck it out with terrible marriages for like 50 years, hanging on for dear life. We hate each other, but we're staying married. And now we've kind of gone the opposite direction where we're like, ah, screw it. If it's not working, we just, we just throw people away really quickly. I know because I did it recently and it was a mistake. Um, and so I think somewhere between the two where you're working on stuff with the right person and not throwing them away unless they really suck. You got to find that happy medium where I think the pendulum just swung too far the other direction where we used to stick it out in bad marriages and terrible relationships. Now we're throwing away even good stuff. And I think somewhere is the answer in the middle. And so no one asked for that information, but love you guys. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. I will see you next week on episode 627. And guys, Sunday night football, Rams at Lions. Oh, my goodness i cannot wait and then i think i think bears houston is going to be really i think uh, sorry cleveland houston is going to be really fun too so um a lot of fun games this weekend enjoy this weekend in the nfl uh i'm sure news is going to break between who knows when let me just check my phone make sure nothing has happened in the last hour and a half since i started recording but we're waiting on bill belichick we're waiting to see if other coaches get fired or moved around uh i expect lots of things to happen quickly but as of right now no news on Belichick. And uh, again, the Patriots have the number three overall pick. So they can replace, they can get a quarterback if they want for Bill Belichick. And then uh, I, it's very interesting. I, I, I just keep your eye. Belichick is the, the last remaining domino to see what happens with in the NFL. And then again, are the Chargers going to cheap out and not get Jim Harbaugh? That would be beyond mind-blowing. So we'll see what happens in the NFL. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. And uh, bam, we are